Ah, Champagne. French wine region fabled for its bubbly, a drink of prestige and celebration that, if you're not careful, will put a dent in your wallet and have you kissing your cousin at midnight. And no, that's not a personal story, but I have been known to make a few bad life choices after too much champagne. Anyway, you're here because you want to know what's the big deal. Why is champagne so famous? And how can you start enjoying it without having to take out a second mortgage on your home? Well, here to answer all these questions and so many more is WSCT3 qualified Chelsea Petrus, a champagne master candidate, a YouTube influencer known as Chell Loves Wine and co-host of the Babes and Booze podcast. So with that said, here's everything you need to know about Champagne. Okay, Chelsea, tell me, what is the big deal about champagne and why are the wines from this region typically expensive? Yeah, so champagne is one of my favorite beverages in the entire world. And it's a sparkling wine made from three different grapes from the Champagne region of France. So we can use Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier while making champagne. And it does get really expensive. A lot of bottles of champagne start at around $40 and could go all the way up into the tens of thousands of dollars. And it goes two different ways. The climate in champagne is really, really harsh. It's only about 52 degrees Fahrenheit is their average temperature all year. So very cold, which makes the grapes a little bit harder to grow. More things have to be done to tend to the crops to make sure that they have grapes that are usable. The other thing is it's an extraordinarily lengthy process to create champagne. First, there's two fermentations, which takes a lot of time. They also have to have the bottles stored in caves underground, which takes up real estate. A lot of things go into the winemaking process, which amps up the price of the wine. Um, it It is uh, worth it, though, in my opinion. It ends up being uh, a very good wine with a lot of history. Champagne's been around for hundreds and, and hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you touched on it there, but uh, tell me what makes the champagne making process so different from other sparkling wines. Yes. So the champagne making process is really intense. So the first fermentation after the grapes have been picked and they all have to be hand harvested, which is a very laborious task. Hand harvested, the grapes are pressed, then the juice goes through its first fermentation. And the cool thing about sparkling wine is that there's usually two fermentations to create the bubbles that we get in the bottle. So the second fermentation happens within the bottle. We add the triage, which is a combination of yeast and kind of sugar, can be like cane sugar, beet sugar. We add it into the bottle, we seal it up and it ferments. Then all of the yeast dies and we call those dead yeast cells lees, L-E-E-S. And then there's a really long process of aging these wines on their lees. Non-vintage champagne, which you will find like the classic Veuve Clicquot uh, yellow label, has to age for at least 15 months before it can be put on shelves. And vintage champagne has to be aged for at least three years. So real estate also adds to this process and why it's so expensive. Uh, but then you have to riddle, it's called riddling the bottles, and we get all of the dead yeast cells down to the neck of the bottle. And then we freeze it and it kind of shoots it all out. Um, it's kind of cool how it happens. But all of those things are very manual, hand processed, hand doing. A lot goes into this process and it takes a long time to make champagne. Minimum of, yeah, minimum of 15 months before you would even have a non vintage champagne on the shelves. Wow. Crazy. And a standard sparkling wine? Standard sparkling wine. So there are lots of different methods. Like we think of Prosecco, which is made in the tank method, which is a really easy way to do it. They just do both fermentations in a stainless steel tank and put it into a bottle. There's also 
uh, the Osti method, which is actually only one fermentation. So there are different ways to make sparkling wine, but the traditional method, the method champenoise is how champagne's made, is definitely the most time-consuming. Right, okay. Um, okay, so aside from being incredibly enjoyable and effervescent, what are some of the flavor and aromatic qualities one should look out for when tasting a champagne? Yeah, so champagne is so amazing in its different flavors because it is made from, like I said, champagne, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier. And all of these grapes have really high acidity, and we love that in champagne. So when you're sipping, let's say, a bottle of non-vintage champagne, some things we like to look for are these really great lemon zests, lemon peel, maybe some green apple, some pear, you know, nice fresh citrus and orchard notes. But then because of all of this aging on the leaves, those dead yeast cells, it gives the wine a really nice kind of creamy texture, a little bit of breadiness. You know, imagine like a freshly baked croissant. Like that's the kind of flavor that we love to find in a champagne. Um, and the combination of both of those together works amazing. When you do get into some older champagnes, they almost can develop savory flavors too, which is really cool to see how it ages because champagne is a wine that loves to be aged. It loves to hang out, um, you know, drink it in 10, 20 years and see how it's evolved. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So, yeah. So let's talk mousse. Uh, What is mousse and what does it tell us about a sparkling wine? Yes. So mousse are those bubbles we find in a bottle of wine. Um, Mousse is just a fancy way to say it. But when we're having champagne, the more delicate and fine the mousse is, tends to be a little bit more of a high quality champagne. If you could imagine a glass of Coca-Cola, it kind of has a mousse, right? It has that carbonation, but the bubbles are really big and almost spicy. For the champagne, we want the bubbles to be a little bit more delicate. I always love it when they almost like dance across your tongue. They're just like little delicate bubbles. They don't take away from the flavor and the um, experience of drinking the wine. They just add to it. You don't get distracted by the bubbles. They're just a nice add-on. Yeah, it's like a textural experience. Oh, it's so great. And I love just watching all of the bubbles in a glass. And you'll notice as the champagne gets older, the bubbles or the mousse, they get smaller and smaller and smaller. And sometimes when you're drinking a champagne that's been aged for a very long time, there might be no bubbles left. And it's just because um, how long it's been aged. So it's really cool to see. But what? how does that impact the sort of experience of that champagne if there's no bubbles? Like I can't imagine. Yeah. It, it's completely different. So I, I've tasted a champagne before that was from 1990, so about 30 years old, and there were no bubbles left, maybe like one or two. And so it feels more like you're drinking a still wine, but with all of the flavors of a champagne. So it's an interesting experience, but very cool if you get the opportunity to try some. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So are all sparkling wines from champagne the same, or are there any interesting micro-regional variations in flavor, flavor or aromas or quality that beginners should know about? Yeah, so I think the easiest way to answer this question is that there are different levels of hierarchy of quality within Champagne. So there are four main different regions within Champagne. All of them have their, you know, some mainly focus on Chardonnay, some do Pinot Noir. But the cool thing is, is that there is like the village level of Champagne, which is just like base level. Then we have the premier level and then we have the Grand Cru. So Grand Cru is like the elite grapes, if you will. They're grown from the best regions, and there are certain villages within Champagne that have the Grand Cru designation, and then there are some that have the Premier Cru designation. So if you find Champagne that's Grand Cru, it will be a little bit more higher quality because the grapes and the soil and everything in that area has been able to get this designation 
of Grand Cru. So they will be a little bit pricier, but they're definitely amazing. And there are also cool styles of champagne, which I think is important to note that non-vintage champagnes, which are a combination of multiple years of champagne uh, juices, will be the most affordable. Then there is also vintage champagne, which end up being... Pete, are you joking? Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) I told her, I said, please don't come out for 45 minutes. And now (laughs) it's totally fine. No, okay, I'll start over. Um, there are different types of champagne, which I think are really important to note. So you have non-vintage champagne, which is kind of like our entry-level champagne. It's not from one specific year of grapes. It's from a different combination. Then there's also vintage champagne, which all of the grapes are from one year. Those are a little bit pricier. Uh, you know, some years, some you don't get a vintage because the grapes weren't good enough to make a vintage champagne. So those can be a little bit more expensive. There's also rosé champagne, which tends to be a little pricier as well, but they are so good. Um, they're a combination of white of Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier. And then there's also a thing called grower champagnes, which have become really popular lately. They tend to be a little bit more expensive, but they are just smaller groups of people making champagne or they're from what we call a cooperative. They share grapes right. and make uh, wines, but they're very cool. And definitely a lot of different styles of champagne you can check out. Yeah. Also, um, from South Africa, we do a Method Cup Classique, which is basically exactly the same concept, the same methodology, just made from grapes grown in the Cape. And I always say to people, if you find a Method Cup Classique, you've got to try it um, because it really is beautiful wine. And It is so good. Yeah. Um, and some of my favorites, too, are like we also have Blanc de Blanc in Champagne, which is 100% Chardonnay, which are fantastic. I always laugh when people tell me and say, Chelsea, I hate Chardonnay. And I say, do you like champagne? And they're like, yeah, I love champagne. And I'm like, well, little did you know, yeah, you know, Chardonnay is in these as well. Uh, and then on the flip side, you also have a Blanc de Noir, which would be made with Pinot Noir or the Pinot Meunier. Yeah, so lots of styles, lots of options. That's right. Explore, have fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's so much to do in champagne. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of that, Champagne is also really great with food, although most most people know of it as a celebration wine. But, you know, what would be your best food pairing recommendations for for champagne? Yeah, so champagne is easily the most food-friendly wine in the world. Sure, it's great at celebrations, but it's also great to enjoy on a weeknight with... So my favorite thing is fried chicken with champagne, and everyone's like, but it works so well. So when we're doing food wine pairings, we love contrast sometimes, right? So we have this nice bubbly acidic wine. Let's pair it with something fatty and salty because imagine you take a bite of the fried chicken. Your mouth is kind of oily and fatty left over, right? You take a sip of the champagne. It cleans the palate off. It refreshes you. It gets you ready for another bite. So fried chicken, McDonald's french fries are honestly one of my favorite high-low pairings you could do here. Yeah. You can have fun with something salty and fatty if you do want to be a little bit more fancy you definitely can have like a classic like roasted chicken dinner we just i just love a little fat here something salty it creates a beautiful balance yeah there is also variations in sweetness in champagne so if you do end up with a demi sec which or a dew which are champagnes that have a lot of sugar in them pair them with cake pair them with like that's one big thing. Um, people always have wedding cake and they serve like a dry kind of like a brute champagne and then it doesn't work. But if you served a demi sec or a dew, it creates such a beautiful, sweet, amazing pairing. So sweet champagnes, pair with cake, cupcakes, cookies, 
strawberry shortcake, anything like that. You can have fun with it because champagne does come in a variety of sugar levels as well. So there are options. Oh, mouth is watering. Same. I'm like, (laughs) some fried chicken on the side of french fries and a nice glass of champagne. I know what I'm having for dinner tonight. Yep. (laughs) All right. uh, uh, Sorry. Finally, can you tell me a little bit about your website and YouTube channel, Chell Loves Wine, and why it's such a great resource for people who are new to wine and want to learn new things? Yes, I um, have I've started my YouTube channel and my blog about five years ago because I was in the boat that a lot of people are were like, I loved wine so much and I didn't know anything about it, but I was so intimidated about learning because there was just this aura around wine. Like you have to know about it in order to drink it and enjoy it. And I really wanted to take away that reputation of the wine industry or at least help to do it. So my tagline is making wine less intimidating one glass at a time. So My YouTube channel will give you some great everyday recommendations. It'll teach you about certain regions. It'll give you suggestions on what to serve for Thanksgiving, what to have for Valentine's Day with chocolate. You know, there are a very uh, variety of different things on there. And my blog kind of mirrors that with a little bit more in depth on some regions, on some particular wines. So lots of content. It's very beginner elementary. I'm not trying to overwhelm anybody on there. So a cool place. I mean, I at least think it's a cool place to go and learn. No, why? Yeah, I've been there. It's good. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay, Chelsea, thank you so much for speaking to me today about champagne. You've totally put me in the mood for some bubbly. I think I'm going to crack a bottle tonight. Um, I'm going to I'm going to go open one right after this. I <laughs> hate champagne can be consumed from the early morning hours all the way into the late night. It's just a, yeah. it's an all day. All day. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you again and take care. Thank you. All right. Well, there you have it. The full scoop on champagne for beginners from wine lover, influencer, and master champagne candidate, Chelsea Petrus. If you enjoyed her company and that of her photobombing fiance, I encourage you to check out her YouTube channel, Chell Loves Wine, where you'll find a rich smorgasbord of entertaining videos. You can also check out her same-named Instagram account and website or tune in to the Babes and Booze podcast. Details below. I also really encourage you to check out Brainscape's Wine Academy, where you'll discover a library of super helpful wine guides for people of all experience levels. And if you're interested in taking your knowledge to professional heights with a WSET or CMS qualification, get the Brainscape web and mobile app to help you learn about wine really efficiently. Alternatively, you can just use Brainscape to keep track of your wine adventures by making your own flashcards. Finally, don't forget to watch and like the other videos we have on the Brainscape wine channel and subscribe to get notified when a new video drops. And that's it. Between the Brainscape app, our wine academy, and the thousands of other subjects you can study efficiently on our platform, you've got the learning tools you need to rise to any challenge. Oh.